Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. A very detailed discussion awaits us today on Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell. Uh, back with you again. And, and while estate planning is going to be our general topic, uh, the emphasis will be on um, an aspect of that that involves caring for family members with special needs. Now, that scenario introduces some, some very unique conditions, uh, but to our advantage, uh, joining me to kind of guide us through the intricacies will be Lavelle Law Attorney Brian Warrens, uh, Brian's an integral part of the estate planning practice group at Lavelle Law. He's been with us in the past and always brings a great deal of knowledge to our discussion, so I look forward to his guidance today. Good afternoon, Brian. How are you? Hey, Jim. Doing well. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And I, I guess, uh, you know, a point we, we need to make, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here or maybe add a little bit to it, but I, I think that this applies to everyone. It's just once a person reaches the age of 18, the state considers them an adult, and then at that point, parents and other family members kind of lose the ability to make decisions on their behalf. Is that is that really a fair statement? Yeah, that, that, that's correct, Jim. I mean, even um, for for people who are not special needs beneficiaries who don't need kind mm-hmm. of an extra degree of planning, like if you have college-age children, I know we've kind of talked about this before, there, there's some estate planning to do there, at the very least powers of attorney for property and health care that help parents make financial and medical decisions for kids. And there's there's a few more steps involved if, if you happen to have a, a child or a family member who has a, a permanent disability. Yeah, and I, I use that term special needs up front, but, um, and I just heard you say uh, another term. When we have our discussion today as we go through the legal aspects, is there sort of a, a definition medically or physically that uh, the type of person that we're talking about that would be covered under these uh, plans? Yeah, uh, typically when we're talking about uh, someone who's a special needs beneficiary, we're talking about someone who who has uh, been determined maybe by by Social Security and a doctor to have a permanent disability, such as uh, Down syndrome, for example, or um, something of that nature, um, something that could potentially qualify them for means-tested government benefits like like Medicaid or or Social Secure supplemental Social Security, um, things that are tested by assets and things you need to be aware of when uh, you may be leaving assets to or would like your assets to be used to care for for uh, such people. Yeah, and and that's a very important term. And I'm going to ask you for a definition here. Maybe walk us through that in a little more detail. When you when you say means-tested benefits, um, what's the process and what's the description there? So by means-tested benefits, I mean something that is um, contingent on a person's uh, income level on their assets. For example, Medicaid, if, if you are going to be in a, a long-term care facility, uh, they generally are, are looking for you to have under uh, $2,000 in, in your bank account, $2,000 of assets. Anything above that could uh, disqualify you for certain benefits in, in some cases. And as we walk through this discussion today, I know it could be very broad-based, but when, when we talk about 
caring for people with special needs and perhaps leaving them assets through uh, trusts or other estate plans. Um, you mentioned powers of attorney. So really are we encompassing financial decisions, educational, housing, medical? Is everything sort of covered under a good plan? You, you got it exactly right. It's 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 the the financial health and well-being, in, in addition to making sure medical needs are covered, and you either have an advocate uh, that's able to make those decisions for you. All right. So let's let's walk through a little bit. Let's talk about the the process and and some of the things that need to be addressed um, in, in terms of means-tested benefits and people with with uh, special needs. Uh, how do those two factor together? What what are we looking to protect or watch out for um, to make sure that certain people are cared for appropriately? So when it comes to the financial aspect, it, it means if, if you are a parent and you have a, a disabled family member that you're wanting to leave assets to to provide for their, their long-term financial health, you don't want to leave those assets directly to those people to the point where it, it's considered their assets you know it goes it's, it would mean like a check writable to payable to that person um, in that case that's an asset that falls into the bucket that could be balanced against whether or not they qualify for assets that'll pay more for them in the long term that'll be used to take care of them, and you know the assets you leave for them should be used for for supplemental needs, luxury needs we call them, such as you know getting um, TV, a computer, maybe having a a, a car if, if if it's a high functioning enough person. Um, so one way that you prevent those assets from becoming intermingled with uh, someone's kind of personal assets is. Um, having them be left to a, a special needs trust, we call it, sometimes a third-party special needs trust for that beneficiary. It's, it's a document that has uh, very um, technical terms that um, prevent assets from that you may leave to a person who would otherwise qualify for, for means-tested benefits like Medicaid. Um, it would allow those assets to be used for things that Medicaid doesn't pay for, those, those supplemental or luxury needs I, I, I mentioned a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I prepared for this discussion today, Brian, I kept thinking of uh, families that have children uh, who, who will reach the age of 18 and, and they want to make sure they're provided for in the future. But could this also apply to someone who might have a sibling? You're an adult and you may have a you know, 30 or 35-year-old sibling that you've been caring for or watching out for. Uh, could they be covered under um, an estate plan of this sort as well? Yeah, um, it, it could be someone who's who's a, who's a sibling. Um, it it could be someone who also wasn't always disabled, but um, such as life, you know, things happen, and mm -hmm. you know the situation changes, and, and this is a planning discussion to have today. And in past discussions, I know you have mentioned guardianship, and it, it sort of in my mind resonates here that that might be part of what we're looking for. You mentioned some other things, um, some trusts we want to talk about later, but is, is guardianship a factor in our discussion? Guardianship is uh, very much a part of it. Um, if someone is disabled to the point that you know they can't even execute powers of attorney for, for someone to be able to help them, um, the only avenue to have any sort of authority to make 
financial decisions regarding a disabled person's assets or being able to assist with their their medical needs. Um, that involves petitioning a court to become the guardian of the disabled person. And uh, there are two types of guardianship. There's guardian of the person, which is the personal medical decisions, and there's guardian of the estate, which encompasses uh, financial decisions that only involve the assets that are in the disabled person's bank account, not assets that they have not yet received or assets that may be uh, maintained for, for a disabled person in a third-party special needs trust that a, benefit, that a family member leaves for them. Um, so there's, you don't need to do both sometimes. Sometimes you, you might just need to become guardian of the person to make the medical decisions because a person's disability might have long exhausted their assets by that point. And if, if in fact you go, go down the path where you have uh, you you want both types of guardianship, could you have the same person, or should they be different from one another? Commonly, it's the same person. That that's not usually a role that's that's bifurcated. Many of our clients serve as both the guardian of the person and the guardian of the estate, and it just involves different reporting obligations to a court. If you become guardian of the person um, after kind of the initial court appointment process, you don't typically have to appear again unless there's an emergency situation. You just uh, file uh, an annual report with with the court saying how how the 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 ward as we call them the the disabled person um, how they're they're doing you know whether they're they're happy they're they're healthy they're um, enjoying life just in general what their situation is like um, you can mail that to the court prior to what would ordinarily be an annual hearing date um, so it's, it's typically something that require that has less court um, uh, overview, um, even though the court maintains the power to step in as needed to kind of shift the balance a little bit. Um, and guardian of, of the estate, if you're making financial decisions, that does require uh, an annual court appearance and for an accounting to be prepared about how a person's assets are being used for their care according to uh, a court-approved budget. As we discuss taking care of adults with special needs today, um, we're, we're certainly benefiting from the input of Attorney Brian Warrens of Lavelle Law. Uh, and if you have not yet, you can meet Brian at lavellelaw.com, um, at least uh, online, and then you can uh, set up a meeting, and we'll give some phone numbers and contact information later. But uh, his profile page and includes some recent articles and podcasts that Brian has contributed to lavellelaw.com. Uh, we're talking about guardianship and, and um, some different approaches to, to caring for people with special needs. Earlier you mentioned, um, you used the word trust, um, and I know that I believe there are specific trusts that can be established for special needs individuals. Is that a, a route that you would want to take then as well? Yeah, and, and most commonly it's if we're talking about the situation of uh, parents wanting to, you know, being afraid of leaving assets for for a, a child who has special needs or or is disabled, you know, not wanting to um, disqualify them from from a program like Medicaid about something that may uh, take care of them longer term than maybe a smaller amount of assets that would be left to the child. Um, that's where a, a what we call a third-party special needs trust comes into play. It's, it's either certain provisions that are included in a, in a parent's existing trust, or it's provisions, or it's a, an entirely separate trust. You know, which which would be called, you know, the name of the child, um, special needs trust. Um, 
and the assets are, are technically never deemed having been given to the beneficiary, so it's not considered to be something that's countable in their assets or income, but it still allows those assets to be used for um, life, enjoyment, um, things that will things that'll better the special needs beneficiary or child's life. Um, and then there's something that's known as a first-party special needs trust. And that is something that you, you technically, or typically I would say, see more in a, um, a situation where, where someone um, undergoes an accident and becomes disabled and, and they have um, assets or maybe not too many assets but some assets that would um, disqualify them from receiving Medicaid and they may need that sort of um, intensive kind of uh, care now and a uh, first party special needs trust is, is something that can be set up through um, a court, um, something a parent can set up, a grandparent or um, and it's put into place with with uh, the disabled person's assets, and it says, you know, these assets can be used for certain things that a program like Medicaid doesn't pay for. But uh, the key distinction here versus a third-party special needs trust is that the assets that are put into a first-party special needs trust, first party being the disabled person, their own assets, those have to be paid back to Medicaid at the end of the day um, or whatever program um, they are receiving care for and is, is kind of looks at a person's asset levels to qualify for. And again, that, that's not something, uh, assets that a parent may leave to a child through a third-party trust that never enters the child or disabled beneficiary's custody or control. Those assets never have to get paid back to Medicaid, but if something is gifted to a child or a disabled beneficiary in the wrong way, left to them directly, or if it's a person's own assets, um, that generally, in order to, you know, if you want to qualify for, for Medicaid, either needs to be spent down to under a $2,000 limit for long-term care or needs to be put into a special needs trust that preserves those assets to be used for supplemental things until the point the person dies. And at that point, whatever's left in that first-party trust gets paid back to Medicaid. Well, a lot um, of information there. <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to say that, you know, we've got a very complex topic today, and and Brian Warren has has taken some time to help us, but I I think uh, we have barely scratched the surface. So I'm going to suggest that if you have more questions or if this is a uh, situation in which you may find yourself, uh, give Brian a call at 847-705-7555. You can also get his contact information at lavellelaw.com. And I'm going to thank Brian for being here let him get back to work. Uh, but certainly a very informative conversation with him today. So thanks, Brian, for being here. And, of course, thanks to you for listening. But, again, uh, much to cover in terms of special needs uh, concerns, uh, state planning and trust uh, and other tools that you heard about today. So uh, Brian Warns, 847-705-7555 or LavelleLaw.com. And uh, we certainly thank him for being here. And, of course, thank you for taking the time to listen as well.